I got nothing, Jeremy. I got nothing right now. You got it's nothing. A, Brain I mean, empty? Yeah, it's a side talks podcast. You know, here it we sure go is. again. I don't have any music to sing. It's just a boring old intro. Wow. I don't know what to do about that. It's a little disappointing. What's up, ding dongs? Oh, oh. shit. I, and I want everybody to know I was not stalling or paving the way for that <laughs> shit. That was just organically came from the other side of the glass. We had two dick jar free episodes. Ding, ding, ding. There you go, though. And, and now, now, we got dick now jar it's ruined. Oh man! Well, it wouldn't be the same though if we didn't dust off the uh, off the dick jar. That's that's the name of my newsletter. <laughs> that's your that's your newsletter. Dust off the dick jar. I'm Rachel Morgan. Oh man, who are you? I'm Jeremy Burgess. I'm not Corey Craft. If you were expecting Corey, you you should go to some other podcast. I guess got to you got to. And this is a podcast about dick jars. <laughs> Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Uh, uh of uh. Man, that's weird. Oh, Jeremy, you know what? Do you know about this ep- this segment? I almost said episode, but this segment? Remind me. Man, that's weird, where I talk about sort of strange connectivity in films. Oh, that's and, right. And, you know, some other stuff, too. It's sort a lot of, of research involved. A little bit of research. Mm-hmm. I don't go too deep, but a little bit of research and a little bit of trivia. But I, I'm really into this connective nature yeah. of, of the industry and of films. And, and I recently watched a film from 1984, Firestarter. Oh, yes. You're probably very familiar with, directed by Mark L. Letzter. Okay. And I have a few little fun facts about it. Go for it. Um, one of which they spend a good bit of time uh, related to this film about Drew Barry's Moore's, of course, Drew being somebody who comes from a very uh, sort of Hollywood royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but her mother seeing the cover to a paperback version of Firestarter written by Stephen King, the novel, of course, written by Stephen King, mm-hmm. and seeing the, the, the imagery of the little girl on the cover and saying that, sh- that, that looks just like Drew Barrymore. It looks like my daughter. Really? Uh, and then years later, Drew Barrymore's cast. So that's kind of a fun one. Yeah, it was, it's kind of a fun one. But more than anything, I think the thing that interested me the most here was that Drew Barrymore was, I didn't realize this, but she was consistently here in the early 80s up against Heather O'Rourke for roles. That kind of makes okay. sense, right? Because you know Heather O'Rourke from, of course, Carol Ann and Poltergeist. Oh. Yeah, the late. They're the, here. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the late, sadly very late. Um, Heather O'Rourke. And so they oh, were, yeah. yeah, Drew Barrymore was up for the role of Carol Ann and did not, yes, and did not get the role of Carol Ann. And similarly, Heather O'Rourke was up for the role of Charlie and Firestarter, mm. which Drew Barrymore did get. So a little swaparoo there. And kind of I think an interesting Heather one. won that one. Yeah, I think that was the right casting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also wonder if if the roles had been reversed, if Drew Barrymore would have gotten that poltergeist curse on her Ooh. and wouldn't be here today. So maybe that was a, 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 a miss, a near miss. Yeah. But I think more appropriately or probably more um, fortunate, for, how do you say it? Fortuitous? Fortuitous. fortuitous. For, you were an English teacher at one point. So there I you was. go. Um, fortuitous for Drew is that not getting the role in Poltergeist is mm-hmm. what allowed her to read for the role of, is it Gertie in E.T.? Is that right? I can't remember the name, but yeah, yeah. I was just going to guess if, it, if she, E.T. was next. She landed E.T. Mm-hmm. Instead of the role in Poltergeist. All that feels like the the world was in the right place there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That all makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. I can't picture Carol Ann being anyone else, frankly. I, 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 I think know. she nailed it there. I agree. And I'll tell you now, too, that the cast of Firestarter, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is not a very good film. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It sorry. Is, sorry. It is Lesser King. 
Not a very good film. And, of course, King didn't like it, but well, he doesn't like shit. He doesn't like anything, really. He's mad yeah. about everything. He also, he advised on the screenplay, approved the screenplay, oh, and still didn't like this film. Well, that's his own fault. Yeah. Shut up, Stephen King. <laughs> you just shut up, go write. you got 20 more books to get out before the holidays. But the cast of Firestarters, even though it wasn't a very good film, features mm-hmm. three people who had won, had already won Academy Awards, which is kind of crazy. Really? Yes, three people who had won Academy Awards for acting. So George C. Scott had won oh. for Patton in 1970. Okay. Art Carney had won for a film that I haven't seen called Harry and Tonto. Okay. In 1974, and of course Louise Fletcher had won Best Actress in 1975 for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Alabama's Nest. Alabama's own. Yes, isn't that crazy? So those are some pretty neat connections there, and then. You know, the other thing I'll tell you is that Firestarter is the second of two Stephen King film adaptations starring Martin Sheen. Okay. Yeah, which is another kind of fun one. The first was a was a year earlier in 1983. Of course, I'm he's blanking on it. The Dead Zone. One of my favorite. Oh, of course. One the, of my the favorites. President. Yeah. The. Yeah, he's kind of a similar the character Trump-esque in this. President guy. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like a politician-y kind of bad guy in this too. Okay. Uh, which I don't know. That's just fitting for Martin Sheen. He's a politician-y kind of bad guy, and you he know, he really fits the part. When he's not being Emilio Estevez's father, that's what I think <laughs> of him as. And then this is this would maybe be your favorite. I, I would definitely say this is going to be Corey's favorite mm-hmm. fun fact about this, and and maybe you knew this already. And that is that this film was originally Firestarter was originally going to be directed by John Carpenter. Oh, I did not know this. It was on Carpenter's slate. But according to Carpenter, Universal removed him from the project in the wow. wake of the box office and critical failure of 1982's The Thing. The Thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. Yep. And then my final little connective note here is that then 38 years later, Carpenter was brought on to compose the score oh, for the 2022 Firestarter remake. I He hasn't come up yet, but the, the male lead, David Keith. Yeah. I love that yeah. there was a brief moment in Hollywood where we had a David Keith and a Keith David both yeah. running around being in movies. And also, what a weird male protagonist. Like He's not, just, not the best actor. Mm, not the best actor and when not a said, terribly attractive gentleman either. Do you know what I mean? He's an mm-hmm. odd-looking guy. When you said there were three Academy Award winners, I was like, surely not David no, Keith. No, no, not him. But uh, yeah, he plays, he's a he's an odd, I mean, he's got a mm-hmm. bit of a dad face and dad bod and he's dad time in this thing, so maybe he, it makes he sense. But he's definitely a dad in this dad movie. Time. Yeah, but oof, I, I, I think I'd rather have been looking at somebody else. And of course, <laughs> I, I should mention my favorite here. This is Heather Locklear's uh, cinematic debut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love Heather. She's not in it much, but I am uh-huh. a big fan of Heather Locklear. And of course, Melrose Place wouldn't probably exist in the in the form and fashion that it does if it weren't for her. And I and I love yeah. Melrose Place. And I love Heather Locklear. So. There you go. Yeah, Firestarter. Mm, mm, mm. Not Some great. Fun facts, the the but, Prodigy mm. song, pretty good. Yeah. Did you did you listen oh, to yeah. the Prodigy back in the day? I, I, I didn't, but I couldn't avoid that song, and I don't mind that song. <laughs> I don't mind that song. So, yeah, it's a good one. Yes. That's a good one. Well, let's do one more. Let's do another uh, Dust on the VCR. Tell me another one that, that's, Excellent. A, that's a favorite or standout for you. Well, I did forget to plug uh, the website last Please time. Please do, yeah, yeah. It's just simply dustonthevcr.com. If you go there, you can sign up for free. Cool. All, all, everything I write, I, I publish for free so nice. that no one has to pay for it. But if you do decide to pay for it, at the end of the year, I distribute all of those funds to film organizations. Like oh, that's cool. Uh, last year, Sidewalk was one of them, and I believe the Southern Documentary Fund. That's really and nice. And 
someone else, usually like festivals or, you know, grants, things like that to just kind of like spread the movie love. Man, so, you're, you're a nicer person than me. I would just use it as a pizza hey, budget. I try. But, uh, thank you for that. Yeah, of course, that's cool. And, of course. And, and again, so if people want to sign up for your, for your newsletter, again, just remind them one more time. Yeah, dustonthevcr.com. Perfect. Perfect. And it drops every Friday morning. That's very cool. That's a fun way to enter the weekend then. So tell us a little bit about this, this pick. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about one that I wrote last summer leading up to the 2021 Sidewalk Film Festival. It was an interesting year. Yeah, so the opening night film was television events. Yep. And I, I, the the movie that the doc is about the day after was late 70s, early 80s? Early 80s. Yeah, so I was I, around for that television event. Early I was going to say, and, I was not. So yeah. I I think my parents probably watched it, but I was not alive yeah. to watch it. And so I had never seen this film. Right. And just a few months prior to this, I did a virtual pass to the Chattanooga Film Festival. Yep. And they, one of their featured virtual guests was an author named Amanda Reyes. Yep. And she wrote a book called The Nights That Panicked America – a yeah, brief yeah. history of the golden age of the made-for-TV genre movie. Oh, that's, that's and really so cool. she programmed a couple made-for-TV movies that are hard to find and right. that were streaming through that festival. And so last summer, I, I watched a couple of these ABC movies of the week, and I was I was like, these are fun. I They are very fun. I like this, and I, I like uh, the, the premise of the newsletter that I did based on the day after was that I wish we still had stuff like this. Oh, I do too. And, 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 and Up All Night, USA Up All Night. I mean, there's yeah. so many things that were ev- that were events to us, right? That were things that mm-hmm. you stayed up late for or you, exactly. or you, you, you scheduled dinner around it or whatever it was. Or you, you did it as a family or as a friend group. I miss it a lot. I know that there's we can still recreate those things to a certain degree. To an extent. Certainly there's these releases of things. You know, we did the release of the, of the Sex and the City Redux. Um, yeah. And just like that at the cinema. And I don't care whether you like it or not. It was a fun thing to <laughs> That's do. That's an event. Right? It's an event. It's, for, for the audience, it's definitely it's an event. It's not the same, though. So anyway. It's not. And with yeah streaming has kind of killed that yeah. because like things will drop on a certain day or a certain night oftentimes it's on like a thursday night or a friday so like yep you know if you don't watch it the day of then days go by and you forget about it and yeah. maybe you don't talk about it with your friends your coworkers or whoever it's a lot of but muck these, out there like these abc movies were like on tuesday or wednesday and so the next day at the water cooler it was like oh man did you see the day after there just wasn't that much content Exactly. Not to the degree that there is, and certainly not being presented in the way that it is. And you know, I think that, I think the last I really remember would have been the sort of Sopranos era, mm-hmm. when when that would have dropped on a Sunday night, and the next day at work it was like, holy shit, yeah. did you see that? And there was, you know, that 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 traction had a little bit. There was a little bit of that traction with Sex in the City as as the Mad episodic. Men was that for me for yeah, a while. I could the, see that. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a little mm-hmm. more. That was re- Sunday nights, yeah. and then working in an ad agency at the time. Right. I, you know, we were all watching it and discussing. Yeah. It, like how it, you know, it, it almost felt like we were on the clock. Like we're just going to talk about Mad right. Men for thirty minutes, but it's um, gone. I mean, I don't, I don't gone. see the same kind of thing. Anyway, sorry to jump no, in you're there, good. But, but yeah, um, the the movie that I watched at the Chattanooga Film Festival last summer was called Five Desperate Women. Okay, and this, this was I'm, I'm making note of this. Yes, this was an ABC. Uh, these all all three that I'm mentioning are ABC movie of the week right. features. 
this one, I wasn't familiar with any of the cast, but you have uh, the five titular desperate desperate women. Oh, who they're are, desperate. I'm sure, yeah. They are on, yeah, a, a salacious title, right? Oh, for sure. And they are on vacation together on an isolated island. As desperate women do. Mm-hmm. Isolated, save for a few people like that are employees of sure. this vacation property. And then one of those five women ends up dead. And you have yeah. panicking and accusations. So this and is like an episode of Fantasy Island. Sounds like it. Yeah. Is there murder on Fantasy Island? There can be. Well. There can be. I think that then that person comes back to life when it's time to go. Do you know what I mean? There's, yeah. But there is some... I remember Fantasy Island having, have, having some mystery, though. But yeah, anyway. And I, lo- I love that these... They're, they're made, like, again, when we say made for TV, it's not like right now where we just drop something to a streaming service. Yep. There are, like, cliffhangers right before oh, yeah. commercial breaks and things like that yeah. where it's like, you know, it leads up to dramatic music. And then if you're watching it now, it's just a cut and then you immediately jump back yeah, in. You, you but, don't have that breathing But they, they would, like, they want you to rush to the bathroom or to grab a right. snack and you better be back in two and a half minutes or you're going to miss whatever reveal is. And there are a significant number of those breaks. Oh, yes. There really are. Oh, yes. And then last summer, uh, or this past summer, I watched... A, a film called Dying Room Only. Have you heard of this one? I have not. I'm, I'm making note of it. Too. Yes, this one is great. So uh, this was for some script research of my own. And this one actually has some star power. Cloris Leachman is okay. the, is the wow. female protagonist. Uh, uh, you the have, great Cloris Leachman, yeah. yeah. So she and her husband are on vacation, as as you as you do. And they, they stop for gas and food at this yeah. basically very remote desert. Uh, sure. Like motel plus restaurant, that right. combo. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And so they stop for a bite, and the husband gets up and goes to the bathroom, and he never comes back. And Damn. so there are two or three other people in this restaurant, Ned Beatty being one of them. Damn, that's a, that's pretty a pretty good cast, that's right? A, uh, yeah, it's a good cast, and also that's a pretty good premise. I'm, and then I'm into Ross that. Ross Martin is the the owner of the restaurant. Right. I wasn't familiar with him, but he's very good in this. And basically. The rest of the movie is is this group of men gaslighting Cloris Leachman saying like, well, maybe he left or maybe he was never in the bathroom to begin with right. or maybe like we don't know your story, lady. And, and so she's basically going insane, like wondering where her husband went. Yeah. And Shit. This, is, this sounds like a bit of, like the Twilight Zone episode, but I, I'm into this. this is exactly. Cool. Yeah, it, it, it is. They are kind of Twilight-esque yeah. because... You know, it's they have to hook you real quick, or yeah. you're going to change the channel, right? And so, before the first commercial break, the husband disappears, and right. you're like, "Okay, I guess I'm going to stick around. I got to know where the husband went." Yeah, where the hell do you go? Which that's I won't good. spoil, but yeah, okay. dying. I like this dying room only. Which great title? Yeah, it's a great title. I can tell you that you know, I, I as, as as was illustrated around television event, the, mm-hmm. the film television event, the day after was such a terrifying film for me and such a is a I believe kid it. just yeah. feeling like I can and I said this in the intro but it was I get, the cold war and you thought like crazy. this could happen any day any day and I and I remember growing up with with friends of mine who once we got to high school and it was a bit in the rear view would mm-hmm. say you know I never I always thought I'd be dead by the time I got out of high school wow like, this was a common feeling of Gen X was like I didn't think I would make it to graduate because I figured the bomb would drop you know That's it, wild. it was and I think that this kind of media while it affected it and had this impact as, as you see in the film mm-hmm. of changing sort 
from nuclear policy. It also was one of the things that encouraged this level of fear. Yeah. And I, I, there was another film that terrified the shit out of me that was a made-for-TV yeah. that you're probably familiar with, which is, and I don't remember the name of the film itself, but it's the it's the Adam Walsh story, right? It's the story about Adam Walsh, who's... Who, I don't think who, I know this one. Yeah, so in, in South Florida, he was, him and his mom were in a Sears. Mom's played by Joe Beth Williams. And mm. it's based on a true story. And she, you know, he goes down one aisle, she goes down another, she goes to find oh, him, and he's gone. There you go. Missing and, person, uh, great yeah. made for TV movie concept. Yeah, and and based and again based on mm-hmm. a, on an actual real life story. And it is um, the 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 whole um, what was the whole thing that his that Adam Walsh's father ended up doing that was unsolved, not unsolved mysteries, but the the. Uh, crime solving there was a crime solving episodic show 48 hours no i'll I'll have to we'll have to do a i'll have to do um retractions on this but it was one of those like help us solve the crime kind of shows that his father actually went on to do like the audience could call in like america's most wanted type of thing yes i think it was america's most wanted that's exactly what it was and so he was the host of that that was adam walsh's father who did that because he spent the rest of his life dedicated to trying to trying to solve all kinds of mysteries especially ones that involve missing children was he ever found so unfortunately, Adam Walsh's head like washed Ooh. up in the ravine, you know, a couple of weeks after he Yikes. went missing, and it's a really terrifying, terrifying story. And it was as a child was incredibly horrifying to me. The stranger danger of the whole thing, um, but it's a it, it the way that it's it's incredibly it's incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Like you think you think these things about made for TV movies and the hockiness and the cheesiness of it and that's all there, but somehow they're incredibly fucking effective these oh, yeah. things. So that's one if you want to take a look and, and I'll I'll try to for our Absolutely. listeners, I'll try to you'll have to see I got this is how I keep them hooked. <laughs> you have to listen to a future episode to get the title cuz I don't know off the top of my head, but I will find out. But yeah, it's yeah. The, it's basically the Adam Walsh story and that may even be the damn name of it. But. And that that makes you think like what kind of TV movies would be would we be getting now yeah. if they still made them like that? Like we would probably have a Casey Anthony movie or something icky yeah. like that. And I how how these, would we respond to it? I don't know. I think these have all moved to sort of the the docu drama, right? Yeah. The Amanda Knox stuff and the uh, the I the, the the one that's about the you know I love you now die or whatever it is oh, yeah. um, that kind of stuff. I guess that's the world in which these stories kind of drop now. I hadn't thought about that, but I think streaming docs kind of have taken the place of TV movie events in a, in a way. Yeah. And I I mean, these are both, both the day after and this, and the Adam Walsh story, Mm -hmm. if I'm saying it properly here, uh, have this very incredibly earnest approach, but as they should really, as they should, these are actual things, actual, well, I mean the the day after isn't, but the the fear is real, right? But the the Adam Walsh story is one that's based on an actual occurrence and it's really, really tragic and terrible. And again, it somehow managed to be like earnest and, and you can appreciate the earnestness, but also a little kind of cheesy at the same time. But the levity of it is such that you don't feel it's inappropriate. Earnest in, in the sense of maybe it's a cautionary tale, like parents would watch this and, and then, and keep a closer eye on their children next time so. they go to Sears or something like like yeah. hopefully that's their intent. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's the intention, but I also think it's also it's because they've engaged actors like Joe Beth Williams who's just really most of the people in these films are really solidly great at what they do. Oh yeah. So there were a lot I mean of, you mentioned Cloris Leachman, you know, yeah, there's are, a lot of star power in these TV yeah. movies and it's you know they're not we, taking we write it them off sometimes, but yeah. there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a cool uh, I keep wanting to call it edition. Is that correct? Can I say that edition or? Yeah, I would say yeah. edition of uh, a dust on the VCR. So, well, thank you. Folks should sign up and get these on Fridays and be inspired and watch it.
please be inspired. Okay, well, you're seeing how this works now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Corey, if you get sick again, or if you just want to pretend to be sick, I, I can I can fill in. Please, come on back in. Maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll have you join both of us, and we'll gang up on Corey on something. Oh, that would be terrific. I need all the help I can get, because Sam is on his side all the damn time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is the Side Talks Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are your own personal Get Ready For It. Uh-oh. Pepsi AM and Pepsi Fire. I don't know either of those. I didn't I, I knew I did Crystal Pepsi. Yep. Crystal Pepsi is the big one. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of the Pepsi AM concept because I'm going to tell you right now that I just think it was marketed wrong. Is is it coffee? It's not coffee. It's not. But it is Pepsi that was marketed. And apparently Pepsi's tried to do this several times. Trying to market kind of like Taco Bell does fourth meal. Like it's a good thing to have oh. a Pepsi in the morning. Why not wake <laughs> up and enjoy a Pepsi, right? They tried to do this. And it had Yikes. 25% more caffeine. More? Than, yes, than than a regular Pepsi, and okay. it was it, you know it was the drink. It's targeted to for you to drink it in the morning, marketed for you to have that that cola sure. when you wake up in I the can't, morning. How could that fail? Yeah. Well, it did. It was test marketed in what's called what they called sporadic regions in the U.S. <laughs> in 1989, and by 1990, it was gone due to low sales. Wow. And it, I did see the list of where it, it it was like Wyoming and Indiana. It's some nowhere very, down here. No, not that I could tell. And it's part of why people are like, I don't remember that. No, because you were very. It's very unlikely that it was in your area. I want to say I, I think Mountain Dew just recently rolled out like an alcoholic, uh, like a oh boy, like a, a buzzy Mountain Dew sort of drink. Yeah. And four of the five I want to say are in the South because of course that they makes are. sense. Tennessee, I mean, Florida, like that's Dew Country. Yeah, that's Dew Country. So why, I, I, maybe that's they that thought liquid gold. Maybe life. they thought we like Coke more than Pepsi, and so they yeah. didn't even. Yeah, maybe they marketed it and they said sporadic, so that makes me think it's random as hell. But maybe <laughs> they looked at areas where they're like, man, these people really, they don't like the coffee, they like the soda, but mm. they need the pick-me-up. I don't know. I, I don't know how you explain Pepsi Fire. I can tell you that it <laughs> it was introduced in 2004 and okay. lasted for a year and then brought back again in 2017 for a limited time. And it is, as you might imagine, spiked with cinnamon Mm. Yes, spike okay. with cinnamon, Pepsi spike, and it, I would try that. Yeah, it might be disgusting, but I would try it. Let me let you know that while I don't have a lot of reviews on whether or not it was good or not, I can tell you that it's a reddish brown color. Okay, and I feel like that might be it's like demise. the like the cover, like the outside <laughs> of a fireball. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Uh, anyway, um, I guess I will be. Pe- I would prefer Pepsi AM. I think. Okay, I can be the fire. You can be a little spicy. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not I'm much of an AM guy, personally. I so. hear you. So I'll take the Pepsi AM then. Anyway, um, you know what you can have? See how I'm doing this? Instead Uh-oh. of a Pepsi AM, why not just go to Revelator Coffee oh. and have a coffee at Revelator? Much healthier mm, yeah. and better tasting choice. Oh, I'm sure. And plus yeah. you can get it. And Pepsi AM, I'm afraid, yeah, is Yeah, also is attainable. Yeah. That's big. That's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't wait for that Pepsi AM to come back, because I don't think it's gonna. And go grab a Revel- Revelator coffee. And thanks, of course, to Batwall Studios, where they do... They, I mean, they really do all the work here. Love these guys. Know? Worked I with talk- them for a long time at the at the ad agency where I used to work. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? You just mm-hmm. we come in here, we talk into a microphone, and they and they make us sound and better. They do than, all yeah. the magic because we we screw up a lot, and they they, <laughs> they pay over some of it. I mean, we we can't be fixed. Corey screws fixed. up a lot. Yeah, let's, mostly let's, him. We don't have to. You know, mostly him. Anyway, uh, if you want to know more about the Sidewalk Film Festival, the Sidewalk Cinema, which is a year-round cinema in downtown Birmingham, as you probably already know, but if you don't get it together, you can. 
can go to sidewalkfest.com. Our socials are at Sidewalk Film. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and the rest. And of course, Dust on the VCR again. The website is dustonthevcr.com. That's really, really easy. So uh, I guess maybe the thing I should say is thanks the most to you for listening. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.